You are listening to the Shoto, Brady, and Dutton Sermon Audio. You can find out more about us at umshoto.net. You can watch our live stream of our service through our Facebook page, and you can certainly join us live and in person any Sunday. If you love what's going on here and you want to support the church, you can do so at umshoto.net. The scripture today is from Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 10, the story of feeding the 4,000. In those days, when there was again a great crowd without anything to eat, he called his disciples and said to them, I have compassion for the crowd, because they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from a great distance. His disciples replied, How can one feed these people with bread here in the desert? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. Then he ordered the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and after giving thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute. And they distributed them to the crowd. They also had a few small fish, and after blessing them, he ordered that these two should be distributed. Now they ate and were filled, and they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. Now there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Terry. This is something I could get used to. Uh, <laughs> anytime anybody wants to lead worship, you're more than welcome to. Uh, if you want to preach, you can preach too. That'd be great. All right, no takers. Um, <laughs> well, as Terry said, I was up in the mountains for a wedding this weekend in, in Essex, and it was uh, beautiful. It was a beautiful time to be up there, and my intention was to not be here this morning. But as I was setting up the, the Technology Friday, uh, technology is only great when it works, and when it doesn't, here I am on Sunday. So, uh, but that's okay. It was fun. Made it down to Brady, and, and here we are. It was a beautiful ride, uh, drive in this morning. Well, today we start a new sermon series, and, and I think this sermon series would make an even better game show. I'm calling it, That's Not In There. And I, and I feel like the game show would have a host named Pastor McPasterson, or some kind of game show host name. And so we're going to play that game over the next few weeks of That's Not In There. And in this game, the contestants, they attempt to weed through popular sayings that sound biblical and have been passed off as biblical. And they're certainly well-meaning, but in reality, they're not biblical, biblical at all. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to take these sayings and, and break them down. And hopefully by the end of the game, we begin to understand that when we take things that aren't biblical but they're well-meaning, and we put them on biblical shoulders, how harmful that can be. And this game show, it's nothing new. It's as old as time. We've been taking this idea and doing it for years, decades and centuries, 
taking quotes that we really like and and changing them a little, misquoting them, or, or giving them legs that they don't have. We like to do this with movie quotes and book quotes and things we see on TV and even things the pastor says. We take them, we quote them, and we change it. And it's ever so slight that it changes the nuance. Let me give you a couple of examples. You've all seen or read Snow White, right? You know the quote in there. We like to say, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? I'm sure many of you said that when you got up this morning and got ready for church, right? I know I did. I know I did. Actually, that movie quote is magic mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? And I know what you're thinking, Pastor, who cares? What what difference does it make if it's mirror, mirror, magic mirror? And it really doesn't matter. But you can tell the nuance is different. Let me give you a, a better one, maybe. You've all seen the movie Dirty Harry, you know, Clint Eastwood, right? We know that quote out of there. He says, or at least we think he says, do you feel lucky, punk? Maybe you got ready this morning in church and said that in the mirror. (laughs) Maybe I did, I don't know. But the actual movie quote there is something completely different. It's, I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth and all the excitement, I've kind of lost track myself. But being as a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world to blow your head clean off, you got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? You see how that's just a little bit different? We like to quote the one-liner, but there's a whole monologue that goes with it that gives it context and a deeper and richer meaning. And I know these are a couple of fun movie quotes and they really don't matter if we get them right or wrong. It really doesn't. In the reality, in the grand scheme of life, who cares? But when we're talking about things that are biblical and and, and if we try to give biblical legs, it matters a little bit. And I'll tell you one thing, this sermon series is not about biblical literalism. It's not about opening this book and, and, and... quoting it word for wording, making sure we get it right. That's not what this is about. What this sermon series is about is is the sayings that sound good, that people have put biblical interpretation on, and yet they're not biblical, and potentially the harmful for others. And so on this episode, that's not in there. We take a look. We take a look at the phrase, God helps those who help themselves. And I asked on Facebook, what are, the, what are the quotes? What are the phrases that sound biblical but aren't, but that are your favorites? And this one, more often than not, God helps those who helps themselves, was right at the top of everyone's list. And so for a moment, let's think about it. Let's think about what this means. God helps those who help themselves. I already have questions. Number one, Why? Why does God need to help those who already can help themselves? And two, what about those who can't help themselves? See, this phrase is a motto that emphasizes the importance of self-initiative and agency, things that aren't bad. Those are good things to have. But the expression is still famous around the world, and it's used to inspire 
for self-help. See, this phrase has origins. It has roots in ancient Greece. It was probably a parable or a proverb from, from there. It has roots in the Aesop's fables and in other Greek dramas. But for us in modern day, we attribute it to Benjamin Franklin. We get it from him. Even though this phrase has deep roots in history, none of which are biblical roots. And the number one reason in my mind that this can't be biblical is there is little to no grace in telling someone when they're down and out to pick themselves up by their bootstraps. That's not helpful. That's not graceful, and it doesn't inspire hope. So to offer someone no help, but to tell them that God will help them if they'll just help themselves, that doesn't sound very biblical, does it? That is not who and what God or Jesus or even the Holy Spirit embodies throughout Scripture and in our experience. No, throughout Scripture, we see the exact opposite. God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're actively in deep relationship with the marginalized, with the poor, with the helpless, and of course, those who can and can't help themselves. See, there are countless stories throughout Scripture where the divine is with all people. And church, the very definition of grace is this, is it's God is with us, all of us. No questions asked before we knew it, when it's blatantly obvious and it hits us upside the head. And grace is with us as we are led into the future. But what is this idea of God that helps those who help themselves really about? What do we do with that? Something that has been put on biblical legs and doesn't have a lot of weight to stand. Well, I think we begin to reframe it. Maybe even rephrase it, but we definitely, we reclaim it. And so rather than telling people, God will help you if you just help yourself, what if we say God is with us? All of us. What if we take that phrase and turn it around and simply say, God is with us? And so what better example do we have of that than when Jesus feeds people? When there is food involved, Jesus asks very few questions. He simply says, take and eat. Here again from the Gospel of Mark. In those days, there was another large crowd with nothing to eat. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for the crowd because they have been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they won't have enough strength to travel, for some have come a long distance. His disciples responded, How can anyone get enough food in this wilderness to satisfy these people? And Jesus asked, How much bread do you have? They said, Seven loaves. He told the crowd to sit on the ground. He took the seven loaves, he gave thanks, and he broke them apart. He gave them to the disciples, disciples to distribute. And, he gave, and they gave bread to the crowd. They also had a few fish. He said a blessing over them and then gave them to the disciples to also hand out. They ate until they were full. They collected seven baskets full of leftovers. This was a crowd of about 4,000 people, and Jesus sent them away. 
See, this verse, it presents this marvelous picture of the imagination of Jesus. When again a great crowd gathers around him, he projects himself into their shoes. He puts himself into their shoes. He saw through their eyes. He felt their nerves, their worries, their anxieties. He was with them. He notices every detail along the way. That some of them, in fact, have come a long way. And they had gone a long time without food. And he is painfully aware that if he sends them home now, many might not make it. See, there's this observation, there's this imagination, and there's this empathy at work with Jesus. There were certain people among the crowd, of course, they could have helped themselves. They would have had enough to go around and enough to feed those around them. And yet, Jesus doesn't look about, uh, upon this crowd and say, oh, well, these folks can help themselves. Why don't I pitch in? Why don't I go ahead and help them too so they can go home? If this statement, God helps those who helps themselves, is, is true, that's what Jesus would have done. Taken those that could have helped themselves and fed them more and sent the hungry away. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't look around and, and see the tired and the hunger crowd and go, oh, these people are helpless. I need to feed them. He doesn't even do that. Jesus looks upon the crowd and he understands. <clears throat> he understands the reality that thousands of people have gathered. They're tired, they're hungry, and if you were to send them home now, the results wouldn't be good. And so with empathy, with empathy, Jesus gathers the disciples and he collects the loaves of bread that they have and some fish. He blesses them and there's enough to feed the crowd until they're full. Not only is there enough to feed the crowd until they're full, there's leftovers, baskets and baskets of leftovers. And here's the thing. Jesus didn't ask any questions other than do we have any bread? Jesus didn't give directions to the disciples to only feed certain people. He didn't say, go and help those who can help themselves. Jesus takes the bread, he takes the fish, he blesses them, and says, go. Feed all of the people. And every last one of them were fed, and then some. This idea of God helps those who help themselves clearly doesn't play out here, or really anywhere else in Scripture. God always, always, always leans on the side of the poor and oppressed. God always leans on the sides of those who just can't any longer. And over and over again, whether it's, it's feeding people or healing people or, or teaching people, Jesus constantly sides with those who need him the most. And for those who can help themselves, he often asks them to reconsider their priorities. Over and over and over again, we see this. And it may be one of the most tangible ways we see this and get to practice it today through communion. See, when Jesus invites the disciples to the table, he invites all of them. He doesn't ask about their social or financial standing. He simply offers them bread and wine much in the same way that he feeds the multitudes, the 4,000. He says, take. 
This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of my new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Nowhere in the invitation to the table does Jesus qualify. Does he ask any questions? He's only inviting those, or he's not only inviting those who can help themselves. Jesus invites each and every disciple, each and every person there. Without question, without qualification, Jesus simply says, here it is. Take and eat. And just as he does feeding the multitude, there are no questions. There is just Jesus putting himself in their shoes, feeling what they feel, knowing that they're tired and hungry. There's only blessing of the bread and fish and sending out of the disciples to feed all that were there. And so sometimes in this story, in this situation and in life, we are the disciples. We are the ones gathering things in, having them blessed, and then being sent out to feed all. And then sometimes in this story and in life, we are those in the crowd. The ones who are tired and hungry and wore out and we need love and grace the most. Thank God. Thank God that no matter where we are in this, that God is with us, all of us, every time. Not just for those who can help themselves, but for each and every one of us. Church, that's, that's a whole lot more hopeful, I hope. <laughs> that God is with us all rather than God just helps those who help themselves. We are the disciples that get to bring the bread sometimes and then take it out. That's love and grace. And then we get to be honest with who we are and where we are and say, you know what, I'm tired and wore out. God, help me. And God is with us all no matter where we are. That, that is a way better way to do this. And so that's this episode of That's Not In There. Let us throw God helps those who help themselves out of here and replace it with God is with us, all of us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. You are listening to the Shoto, Brady, and Dutton Sermon Audio. You can find out more about us at umshoto.net. You can watch our live stream of our service through our Facebook page, and you can certainly join us live and in person any Sunday. If you love what's going on here and you want to support the church, you can do so at umshoto.net.